Good morning, and welcome to episode 635 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from BaseballPerspectus.com. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh from Grantland. Hi, Ben. Hello. Brought to you by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. Did I say that? You did now. In a few minutes, Sahadev will talk to Anthony Andro of Fox Sports Southwest, and uh, in the meantime, we will talk to Russell Carlton of Baseball Prospectus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also the author of this year's Rangers essay in the BP Annual. Uh, hi, Russell. Good morrow, Samuel. <laughs> aren't so you going to mention the historic circumstances under which this podcast is being recorded? I'm going to get there. Russell. Okay. okay. Russell, I uh, learned something fascinating today okay. about Ben. <laughs> okay. Ben, Ben, I'm going to describe to you the way Ben eats a burrito. <laughs> he picks it up as you as you might a harmonica, and and then he eats the middle. Get corn on the cob. While eats the middle while pushing the outer side <laughs> inward, like one of those Chinese acrobats who juggles three blocks by holding one block between two others. He is his hands are the two blocks, and the burrito is the one in the middle. And he exerts constant pressure on the outside, so it will <laughs> will get. Uh, so it will stay together, and it gets smaller and smaller until it is done. Uh, and somehow, mysteriously, like magic, there's a half a tortilla at the bottom of his bowl. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I it held was it together. Twist. There was you very know, little spillage. It was very gerbil-like. <laughs> and so weird, Russell. <laughs> I don't know what you expect. What you expect, Yeah, is that is that on the spectrum somewhere? Um, I, yes. <laughs> well, I, yes, you are. Um, <laughs> let me go back and I'll, I'll have that one uh, put into the DSM so that you can. Uh, They've got everything in there diagnosed. these days. I'm sure. Um, okay, so. Um, <laughs> these are Sam, the things that you Sam, learn. How, how is it that you came to be watching Ben eating a burrito? <laughs> ben is out visiting me this weekend. <laughs> Today we had our tryouts for our uh, Sonoma Stompers. And uh, some great stories came out of it that we will not tell you. Yeah, can read about them in a book next year. We're very excited about how the day went, though. Some funny things happened mm-hmm. and uh, some shenanigans. We had some subterfuge, uh-huh. of which we were the subterfugers, and uh, everything worked out in the end. It's been like an effectively wild walking tour for me. Like, you know those Seinfeld walking tours in Manhattan where you go around and look at the the sights from Seinfeld? I've had the same experience. I sat in the Honda Fit. I am recording in your kitchen, which is evidently where you record the podcast. All these sites, it's real to me now. So so I, I think if I'm reading this right, then I have the honor of being the very first guest in the very first episode in which you guys are in the same general uh, vicinity of each other. They're not uh, on opposite coasts. You can lord We're... that over Zachary Levine and Jason Bojakowski and all of our other frequent guests. Oh, yeah, oh, that's we going to be so awesome. We were in the same room, except when I would mute in order to cough, the Ben's microphone would pick up the coughing. So I had to actually leave the area. <laughs> but we're we're only about 40 feet away from each other. 
Uh, it was fun. It so was wait, good. wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Before you do that, you guys are recording this forty feet apart from each other, even though you're in the same house. We are not technically under the same roof anymore. Sam is outside oh. of the outside of the apartment. Oh, I can cough like a free man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, we figured people would would want to hear. People might also want to hear that Matt Albers got a save in spring training today. Evidently yeah, his, his third career save in spring training. I don't know whether that disqualifies him from from the race, but probably not. Yeah, spring training is when he should be getting saves. Uh, right. And Ryan Webb. And Ryan, yeah, Ryan Webb, I see the, this headline. Orioles notes, Ryan Webb closer. <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't read the whole thing. Ryan Webb closer. <laughs> To return. <laughs> Everyone's hopes up. All right, we should talk about the Rangers. We should talk about the Rangers. It's going to be a short episode. We're exhausted. Um, Russell. We got sunburned like yes. baseball men. Oh my gosh, we're so sunburned. <laughs> it's disgusting. Mm. Uh, Russell. Yes. Uh, you uh, you wrote, as I recall, in your essay about how uh, given that Ranger, uh, given that injuries correlate strongly from year to year for individual players but that it makes sense that uh the rangers uh historically bad uh injury season last year which is being held up by some uh as evidence that last year was merely a fluke that they should easily bounce back from and therefore the rangers are as good as ever uh is actually uh the opposite that it is a uh, it is a troubling thing uh because there is no reason to think that they will all bounce back to full health that in fact we should consider this a team that probably has an injury bug, uh, and therefore the projections might be optimistic. We are currently talking to you very late in this in this series because the projections are fairly optimistic. Is this a flaw in the system? Well, the thing about the Rangers is that if you, well, before the Darvish injury, and we should probably note that, had you told me, you know, oh, the Rangers are going to win 90 games this year, I would have said, oh, I could see a case for that if everything breaks right. And, you know, they said they're going to win 70 games again. I'd say, oh, I could see that if everything breaks wrong. And, well, that's a little bit too literal there. But the thing with the with the injury bug is that it's so – I think I had it when, you know, I looked at starting pitchers that an injury one year gives you about a, you know, a 40 or 50% chance the next year of uh, of another injury. And so, you know, you're talking about – well, what happened to Darvish, obviously, is kind of uh, uh, Exhibit A in, in that, and Darvish had some uh, some elbow troubles last year, and now he's on the operating table. Um, but, uh, you know, there's there's the possibility that, you know, these guys could all beat the odds and and uh, and, and come back and, and uh, put up the kind of numbers that, um, that we thought they were going to put up kind of based on that, the, the roster on paper. But... You know they're all walking around very, very injury prone. I think that this might be the team that um, I would put the highest error bars around any projection that uh, that I would give them. Which is a nice way at the end of the episode when you're going to ask me how many wins, I can cop out and say, well, you know, somewhere between 70 and 90. I can't really be sure, but uh, you know, that's 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 the injury bug that they're dealing with. The other thing is that you know, I think people have this idea of you know they were the young happening team and they made a couple world series in a row and you know you kind of look down the list and you, you see some of their key contributors are kind of getting sneaky old and you know uh i almost called him cecil fielder you know prince fielder and 
his son, Chu, some of those guys are on the wrong side of 30. And, you know, all of a sudden you kind of look and you kind of go, well, this is starting to be more of an old injured team than a, a young happening team. Yeah. So um, I know that, uh, well, okay, when you say that the air bars uh, are, are big, uh, mm-hmm. that I wonder if that's changed now. If, in fact, uh, there's very little reason to think that they could win 90 if everything breaks right, because clearly things have not broken right. Uh, Profar mm-hmm. is out, obviously. And, right. and, and Darvish is. And, you know, we, I think this point gets made appropriately quite a bit, that one injury is very, 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 very rarely enough to knock a team out of contention. One player is very rarely worth more than, you know, four to six wins. And uh, while that can clearly be the, the, uh, enough to shift a division, most teams that are good enough to win a division are good enough to win a division even if they lose their best player. I wonder if Darvish is the exception just because, A, the Rangers have very little pitching depth as is, already had very little pitching depth as is, and B, play in a park that is sort of famous uh, between the heat and the, uh, the way that it plays, famous for kind of pitcher attrition as the season goes on, and to lose a guy like Darvish, who's clearly their best player overall. Uh, well, no, he's not, because Beltre is really good. So maybe he's not clearly their best player. Clearly their best pitcher uh, and uh, their ace. To lose a pitcher for an entire season like that, for the Rangers, it does sort of feel like it's hard to imagine them getting to 85 now, doesn't it? Like, even well, if you, everything breaks right? Yeah, I mean, you could look at... I mean, one of the things about the Darvish injury is that you think about the Rangers, if you kind of, you know, bought it and even if you didn't assume that everybody everybody's coming back you could still squint real hard and say you know this team's kind of a 86 87 win team and now all of a sudden you know they're with darvish out you know let's call them a four-win pitcher now they're kind of a 83 8 uh, what did i say 82-83 win team and yeah. so in terms of just you know the the raw loss of playoff odds you know darvish being such a a, a big contributor and them being kind of on the cusp of what it would take to be a playoff team if they, you know, caught a little extra wind in their sails. Um, you know, that's it, it's it's interesting to um, to see the kind of the reactions that that happened after the uh, uh, that that injury was announced, and it was like, oh no, there goes the season. And you know, you're right; it's not usually the case where uh, a team is is that. Uh, is that knocked out, but just kind of where they're sitting right now, they're kind of in that perfect spot where the Darvish injury really was kind of a death blow. Um, maybe that's a little extreme, but uh, it was a big, big deal to their playoff chances. Yeah, I, I'll just say one thing, and then I'll get out of the way so Ben can ask a question, but uh, just to kind of clarify what I was saying, it normally when a pet player gets hurt, we go, oh, he's a four-win player, they just lost four wins. But of course, replacement level is never constant, and if I had to pick any pitcher going down who might not who will be replaced almost certainly by sub replacement performance yeah. i kind of feel like it's the rangers right now so that's yeah. why it's even more uh, worse than it looked yeah mm-hmm. and i mean they they had you know a, just a rotating casting call of starters that came up and were you know part of it was just injury but um, just guys who got uh, got the snot beaten out of them and that was uh, um, that was a big part of the problem uh, last year and, you know, that's, I don't know who's going to end up now taking over that spot. And I mean, everybody kind of moves up a, a notch and, you know, you've got Giovanni Gallardo who becomes their, their theoretical ace and, you know, everybody else kind of moves up and who's that, you know, now the new number five who, uh, you know, would have been kind of the, kind of the number six, uh, 
coming up. But yeah, it's it's gonna be somebody who's you kind of hold your breath when he goes out there every fifth day. Nick Tepesh. Oh yes, possibly. Yeah, we should also mention that the Rangers are this late in the series because we froze the order in which we were doing these previews before we started the series. So I don't know how many wins the Rangers have been have dropped since we started this, but I would guess that they have dropped more than anyone else. The Padres, we previewed them last Friday. They are projected for 83 wins, and we are going from worst to first, or, or what was worst to first at the time. But the Rangers are now projected for 78 wins. So uh, you're looking, yeah, you're looking at playoff odds, or are yeah, you I'm looking, looking at, at the, depth, the depth charts. Because uh, okay. I, oh yeah, okay. So the yeah, playoff so odds are, have them at 78 too. Yeah. So the Rangers were ahead of were were projected to be better than than the Padres when we started yeah. this series, and now they are projected to be five wins worse than the Padres. So yeah. that's sad. Now the Ranger isn't gonna like that. <laughs> so what about the guys who were hurt last year? and were expected to come back and have not suffered another season-ending injury this year. What about Fielder and Chu? Particularly Chu, maybe, because Chu played through injuries and was much diminished, but as you as you write, he was really kind of so bad that you kind of question the, the contract as well. So is it safe to expect any sort of rebound? You know, that what I heard about Chu, and I read this somewhere, and I forget where, and so I'm just going to steal this idea and pretend it's mine, is that uh, somebody said that there's playing hurt and there's playing injured, and, and Chu was playing injured last year. Um, and and so in, in doing so, you know, kind of the, the stats that he put up just weren't a good reflection of uh, what he is and what he's capable of as a player. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, you know, he's 32, and he's... Uh, he's coming back from something or other and you know maybe yeah he does kind of come back to the the 2013 form when he was in in cincinnati and hitting like crazy and um pretending to play center field and um this time now he's just you know he has to play left field and just kind of go back to even if you know what he was three years ago which was a pretty good player and if he can if he can do that yeah then he starts to at least be somewhere in the neighborhood of that uh that mega contract that he got but you know, a lot of that uh, comes back to how kind of how hurt was he last year, and was that was that really what's going on? You know, if he was playing if he was playing hurt, and he was playing you know injured, then then maybe uh, the six months off that he he got have given him some time to heal up, and and maybe he does come back like that. So you know, I would I would uh, just from a human perspective hope that's the case, and that would be nice for the the Rangers to have that uh, that little bit of production back. So. Mm-hmm. I, there's just so much we don't know at this point. Yeah, well, what about, I mean, the the Gallardo trade would suggest that, that the Rangers were expecting to compete this year, correct, I assume? So are you surprised that they didn't do more? It wasn't an active offseason, and not that they necessarily should have expected to lose their ace or to lose Profar for another season, but even if they had those guys, they would not be close to locks in this division it's a tough division all of a sudden so are you surprised that they didn't do more regardless well i mean i guess that there's probably the the where do you where do you pick to upgrade and because you know you don't get a first baseman because you have fielder under that contract and you kind of just have to hope that fielder comes back 
you know, Andrus has his big contract, Beltre's not going anywhere. You know, some of these guys are out there, and, you know, they went out and they got Gallardo because you can always use another starting pitcher just no matter what team you are. There there was uh, there just wasn't a lot of on the position side where uh, where they could upgrade. And, you know, other than on starting the starting pitcher side, I mean, there'll be the ever-popular Cole Hamels rumors that'll be floating around now um, for them and for just about everybody else in baseball. Um, but I wonder if part of it was just, you know, well, who are we going to get? You know, we can make some improvements around the edges. You know, there's there's just not a lot of room uh, to, to make those kind of big moves. Yeah, I, I don't know if I agree completely with you, Ben, because it seems to me that uh, that getting Gallardo but leaving left field and DH as they are, especially with those being two relatively easy positions to make upgrades at, to me suggests a, a front office that didn't really buy into its own chances and that did a you know a respectability move. It puts them in the in the conversation, but it's not much investment in the idea. It's a pretty low investment dream at this point. But on the flip side of that, I mean, left field, I mean, yeah, you could maybe pry somebody loose. Well, I mean, you think about it, though, you know, what was the big left field acquisition this uh, this winter for, you know, Marlon Bird, basically, that the Reds got? And, you know, if the maybe the Rangers, you know, go out and get somebody of that ilk, but it's not like if, uh, you know, the Rangers had gotten Marlon Bird, we'd be sitting there going, ooh, you got to watch out for the Rangers this year. They got Marlon Bird now, you know. And that's... Uh, yeah, that that's there, there. Just weren't a lot of hitters that were kind of passed around this uh, uh, this off season. And you know, then well, I wonder how much play roll, payroll flexibility there was. Except for all the hitters that AJ Preller got. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, true. He got them all. That's why the Rangers didn't get them. I know. I know. What about and, Elvis Andrus? He was an interesting guy to get a hundred million dollar extension. He didn't really compare offensively to previous players who had gotten extensions of that size and everyone said well look at his defensive metrics and maybe this is a sign that teams are valuing defense now and valuing it appropriately and he's good at that and yet now he is what did you you wrote in your essay that he's kind of in this in this liminal space where he is not a replacement level player but he's not he's not someone that you can just cut he is still one of the best, you know, 30 starting shortstops in the world, but he has not really grown. He has not really improved offensively, has sort of stagnated, and at this point is maybe not really making the, the contract look all that good. Well, and yeah, and if you look at what his defensive metrics looked like last year, they just all of a sudden, they just dropped off the table. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he was never Andrelton Simmons. He was never... Uh, the guy who was—I uh, I think that he had the reputation that, but uh, the metrics never really bore that out all that much. And but then all of a sudden last year it was just gone. But yeah, I mean he's still—you know—he's he's still decent. He's still kind of a you know averageish on base guy, and he's still a shortstop, so there's value in that, and he can still handle the position. But, you know, I wrote in the article that, you know, probably the most maddening thing about him is that, you know, he's probably like the 22nd best shortstop in in uh, in the league right now. And so, yeah, I mean, you could go out and get somebody who's better than he, but I don't know what uh, who that person would uh, would be. And, and, you know, would it be worth uh, what you would have to give up just to go from, you know, 22nd to 15th on the on the ladder? So. I know that prospects aren't your beat. You can dodge this one if you want. We can just move on without you answering it if you want. But um, Joey Gallo, Joey Gallo is uh, seems to me like 
uh, could you could make the case that he's an even better prospect than people uh, act like he is. He's that exciting. But on the other hand, he struck out 40% of the times he batted in AA. Do you have any sense statistically of whether it's conceivable that a guy who strikes out 40% of the time in AA you know, can really develop as a major leaguer? Yeah, the thing with Gallo is, I mean, it's always been... Um, you know, the beat on him is 80 power, and you know, is the hit tool going to be there so that he can actually make contact so that the power will translate into the ball going over the fence? And you know, it worked for Russell Branyan, um, and he built a career out of that. So there's at least some you know, some some precedent for it. And you know, the power really is that big. And you know, we're in an era where guys striking out is isn't news. Um, you know, 40% strikeouts at Double A. That's that's tough. Um, you know, he's, he's the kind of guy that you really just kind of have to hope that enough hit tool happens that um, that he makes it worth it. And, and maybe he does pull a Russell Brandon career out of his hat um, and, you know, hits, you know, 30 home runs and um, and plays swing real hard in case you hit it for the rest of uh, for the rest of the time. And, you know, there's it's it's fun because it's such a it's that one tool is so loud. But it, it could turn out just to be the kind of actual major league package that's just kind of a, uh, you know, in the long run, he was more of a curiosity than anything. You know, that said, if the hit tool in some way develops, then you got a nice player that uh, uh, that could terrorize the league. But, you know, the results aren't looking good so far. You've done a lot of managerial analysis, and Ron Washington was a manager who was regarded as a good leader and motivator and... And players liked him, and people who analyzed managers on the internet tended not to. Whereas Jeff Bannister, the, the new manager, kind of fits into this mold of the new progressive manager who looks at stats and works well with the front office. Would you expect any improvement from going from Washington to Bannister? Well, I mean, Washington, actually, when I did my manager stuff, he ranked out pretty well um, on... When you look at, you know, over the course of a long season, uh, you know, guys not falling off and falling off just by a little bit, but that little bit making a big deal. And, you know, Bannister right now, this is his first major league uh, um, managerial assignment. And so that's the, you know, that's that's something that uh, he's kind of a big unknown. Um, it's kind of a high bar to, to clear. You know, as far as I think we overplay the amount of it's it's neat when the managers are are as into the the stats as we are but you know with some of the manager stuff that I've been doing I'm I'm realizing more and more that a manager who is very good at keeping guys into the season and not uh, not having them grind down is more valuable than the guy who um is kind of up to date on all the the latest research if you get a guy who can do both that's fantastic and it's all uh, there's value in all of that and and you know why leave value on the table but um, I think that you know what we're finding more and more is that the the former skills are are much more much more interesting and and much more valuable than the latter, um, and so I'm while Washington certainly had a uh, uh, those skills as as I've seen um, Bannister we just have no beat on uh, and I'm you know interested to see uh, interested to see what happens with him but in the sense that Washington was really good and you know Bannister is likely average because when you don't know something about somebody you just assume they're average, then that's, you know, that's a downgrade. Uh, but maybe he is it. I don't know. Adrian Beltre, you wrote a sonnet to him about him <laughs> in your annual essay. He, yes. he was worth it. He deserves a sonnet. 
And he does. Last year, when the Rangers fell out of it, some people pushed for a Adrian Beltre trade. Seemed to make some sense on some level. And John Daniels wasn't going for it, wasn't having it, because Beltre is great and Beltre is a team leader. But how about now? How about now in the wake of the Darvish injury? Beltre turns 36 next month. He's signed for this year and next year. Is now the time to get something for Adrian Beltre? Oh, yeah, it probably is. Um, you know, the problem with... Uh... And maybe it's it's sooner rather than later in terms of just the calendar year because you think about um, a third uh, you know a, a third baseman versus say a starting pitcher you can always use another starting pitcher but you know if you already have somebody at third base then there's a limited number of teams that are looking for somebody who who will play that spot and so you know maybe there's there's something to be said for starting to shop him around but then again you know it seems as though there's a, there's enough of a story that you could tell yourself about the Rangers that um, that you know they're in it and they could still you know you, you, you could still kind of pull something off and I don't know maybe they trade for Cole Hamels or something like something crazy like that but um, or you could say you know okay well maybe next year when Darvish comes back and and you start playing that game all over again and you basically play the same game that they played last year of oh well injuries 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 and it'll all be better next year. Yeah, that you wouldn't want to trade away a guy who, you know, is is legitimately probably still a four-win player, maybe more, and uh, in in Beltre, and so you know, there's you could probably make a case for it that you know you could you should do it, but I could I could see enough people saying, oh, well, I just I just can't admit that it's over here, and you know, we're just kind of at that point punting, not only this year but probably. That's a uh, a sign that you know next year we're not too confident in either, and I just don't know that uh, that that you could you could get a, a team to do that. You know maybe next spring we're having a different conversation because there's just one year left in the contract. But you know that's a I would be surprised if uh, if Adrian Beltre is wearing something other than a Ranger on his uh, his chest this coming uh, October. Predict. Predict what? <laughs> Win wins and placement. Oh, I could see, you know, anywhere between 70 and 90 wins. And, uh, <laughs> now I, I, th- this is, I, I, I saw the, uh, the playoff odds give them, put them at 78 wins. And I said, that seems a little low in terms of, you know, it should be something a lot or more around 82. This team still has enough talent and probably enough guys come back that it's, it's an 82 win team. But that's a boring team. You know, that's, with with Darvish, they're you know that the '86 win team that maybe catches a lucky bounce and and sneaks into a wild card spot. But you know right now they're just kind of a a blah team that's probably going to have some some more injuries that bite them during the season. And you know they probably uh, this is probably a fourth place team um, that uh, that falls in line kind of where they have been. And you know, if if things don't go well, maybe they they start making some moves and 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 trading guys off, and you could see them falling, and you know, maybe even in the, into the the fifth place spot below the Astros. But for right now, I'll say 82 and uh, fourth place for them. All right, thank you, Russell. Hey, thanks, guys. I enjoyed recording in the Miller household. Thanks for having me, Sam. You're welcome. All right, so that is it for the first half of the Rangers preview after the musical interlude. 
you will hear Sahadev speak to Anthony Andro of Fox Sports Southwest. Welcome to the second half of the Effectively Wild podcast. I'm Sahadev Sharma, Associate Editor for Baseball Prospectus. With me is Anthony Andrew, a reporter for Fox Sports Southwest, who covers the Texas Rangers. Uh, the Rangers obviously had a rough 2014 after uh, a few years of, of high-level play, and uh, 2015 has not started out as they had hoped. Uh, right off the bat, uh, a few injuries and a, and a big one, Anthony, with uh, Darvish going down. It's it's Tommy John, right? That's official. It, it, two, 2015's loss for Darvish, we know that. It, it, it's pointless to even try the rehab route because at four months, if it doesn't work, then you're pushing yourself even back that much more. I, I think it's one of these things now you just kind of pull off the Band-Aid, go ahead, and let's get this thing going. Yeah, and, you know, I, it's it's got to be tough for that clubhouse. I, I'm assuming uh, – when news broke, they weren't too thrilled. But how are they handling it? How how are the players uh, trying to stay upbeat? You know, they're they're used to it after last year <laughs> losing losing Prince Fielder, losing Derek Holland, losing Sinchu Chu, losing Mitch Moreland. So it, it's part of their course for the for the last couple of years. Now losing your ace is something new for them. But the thing is, the the one thing that 2014 taught them was you can't have too much pitching depth. So they, they acquired so many number five level guys in the offseason to, to compete for that fifth spot. So they, they've got some pitching depth. You don't replace you, Darvish. You just hope other guys like Derek Collin can stay healthy and Derek Collin can be consistent in 2015, kind of lessen the load. You hope uh, Giovanni Gallardo kind of bounces back some from his last year in Milwaukee, kind of lessen some of the blow. You don't, you don't replace Darvish, but you know you, you, if you find a guy that can win 10 or 12 games in your rotation – uh, it, it kind of softens the blow for sure. Uh, let, let's talk about uh, Derek Holland. You know, a guy that uh, has the looks of, of a top of the rotation guy and has shown flashes of that. Uh, last season, he, he came in. Uh, I, I believe he pitched about the last month of the season. Gave you about five, six starts, and they looked they looked really strong. Results wise, they were strong. Maybe you can tell me how did he look during those starts, and how is he looking now? And is he ready to carry that load? Obviously, there's there's even more pressure on him to perform. At Darvish looked right great. He looked great in September, and he said all the right things leading this off season. He's a, he said, "I want to be the opening day starter. I want to be the ace. I want to I want to be the Cy Young winner," which is whatever pitcher is gonna say but Holland has like I said shown in flashes the ability to, to live up to that now he's already been slowed in, in spring because he had a sore shoulder um, but he's thrown a bullpen he's gonna pitch uh, in, in Saturday's game which will get will get him on there he's not gonna be the opening day starter but that, that that's such an irrelevant thing to begin with you know he can be a, an 18 19 20 game winner he has that kind of stuff. He's a hard thrower from the left side. It's just a matter of him harnessing things, um, not letting things snowball when things get a little bit out of control, and, and con- continuing to progress like he did at the end of last season. And you know, everybody talks about the one big start he had in 2011 against the Cardinals in the World Series, and it was it was dominant, and it, and it showed what kind of pitcher he can be. I, I think he's out to prove. You know, he he felt like he let this team down last year with the, with the microfracture surgery and the knee injury and the freak injury with the dog and. 
It kind of set the tone for last season. So I think there's anyone that feels like they've got something to prove for the Rangers this year, it is Derek Collin, maybe. Uh, Jeff Bannister, uh, new manager, uh, and and it looks like you know he he's had some that has his work cut out for him right right from the beginning as far as you know Darvish going down, Profar going down again. Uh, how is how is he doing as far as keeping up uh, keeping the clubhouse together, keeping the clubhouse positive, and and what's his what do you expect from him? He's a new guy, so we we don't really know what what he brings to the table. Maybe. Uh, the only thing you can really tell, I guess, is how he handles the media and maybe how he handles the clubhouse. Right. And the the, the, the thing is, you know, he this is a guy who's gone through so much in his life. You know, he was paralyzed partially. He's fought through bone cancer. He's he's fought through so many things. He's got the Rangers have the hashtag never, ever quit. And they attribute it to Bannister. And, and I think it's good right now because, you know, there's so many people that are saying here it goes again. And Bannister is like, come on, man, I've been through so much more in my 51 years that this is no big deal. So it's a good, he's a, he's a motivational speaker kind of guy. He's a little bit in the, if you, if you're playing for Clint Hurdle, you're working with Clint Hurdle, you're going to be falling into that mold. And I think early on, at least it's worked in this clubhouse. And the, the key test will be what happens when the Rangers have not adversity in spring training, but what happens when they have their first five or six game losing streak in the season, how will that kind of approach kind of carry over? Because He's very much more polished when he talks than, than Wash was. You know, Ron Washington would say things that you've never heard before. He'd put sentences together that weren't always grammatically correct or anything or made a whole lot of sense to anybody outside. But the players fed off that because Wash was so passionate. Bannister's passionate. He just thinks things through before he speaks. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Leonis Martin is a guy that uh, that I kind of have my eye on. He he's uh, a defensive whiz. We know that he, he get, brings a lot of uh, value in defense. But is there is there more upside on the offense? Is this a guy that you know has been healthy? He's one of the few guys that we could talk about on this team that that has some uh, that hasn't had any health issues, uh, major health issues, and 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 maybe has that breakout potential. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see because last year was his first really full season in the majors. And while he's, I think, 27 or 28, you know, coming from Cuba, he really hasn't had a chance to, to play every day. And he got that last year. He showed flashes. Again, defensively, like you said, he, he can get to a lot of stuff. Now, he's got to work better on making the routine plays, and he, he throws the ball away some. But I think the upside is there offensively, and he's going to have a chance to show it. It looks like they're leaning towards having him be the leadoff hitter again. I think he hit something like 298 from the lead off spot last year which is good he's got to get on base more still he's got to draw some walks but he has a little bit of pop so he, he's got the ability to do some stuff I, I think they're setting him up to have a big year and they're setting up that offense the way that it looks like that lineup is going to shake up it, it could be pretty good from one through six you know Adrian Beltre is one of those guys that uh you know we I guess uh, the the more analytical community the more analytic community is ready to put him in the Hall of Fame already uh, and and maybe he's getting maybe that's happening uh, more nationally. People are starting to see just how great of a player he is. How how much longer does he have to play? Is he is is retirement even on the horizon for him? And and how much is is there a, you know a high level of play still expected from this guy? Uh, retirement's the, the farthest thing from his mind. You know, the Rangers had had the, there was the option for next year that the Rangers had it was a plate appearance option. I think he had to have 583 or 586 plate appearances. The Rangers quickly amended his contract. So he's under contract through next year. And he's rare in that, you know, he's 35 years old and he was arguably the best third baseman in in the American league last year, which puts him 
weird when you think long-term future because you don't expect a guy being 35 to be the best because how do you determine what his value is beyond 2016? But the Rangers aren't, aren't thinking like that. You know, and Beltre is not either because he still thinks he can play at a high level. I mean, he's a guy that's going to probably be your number four hitter. He's going to have a, a Prince Fielder hitting in front of him if he's healthy all season. So his numbers last year, you know, the, the offensive power numbers weren't good. I think 19 homers, 70-something RBI. But that was more a product of there was no protection for him in front of that lineup and nothing behind him at all either. So I, I think if you watch him play every day, I think you have more of an appreciation for Adrian Beltre. And I think that's starting to rub off just because you see where he's going career numbers wise nationally. People are starting to catch on that. Holy cow. One thing, Adrian Beltre has been doing it for 15 years and two that he's that he right now he may be better than ever. And what what is the situation with Prince Fielder? Is he uh, looking uh, healthy? Is he ready to just be that Prince Fielder that we knew in Detroit uh, or uh, in Milwaukee, or is or or are there still major questions that that need to be answered with him? There are, there are no major health questions. I, I think you know. Uh, I think the Rangers would love to see the Prince Fielder that was in Milwaukee. Maybe not so much the one in Detroit because he had tailed off. If they get somewhere in the middle of that, I think they'll be happy. Um, the, the good thing is it's a guy that hasn't played baseball really in nine and a half months because of the neck surgery. So it's taken him a little while to get going. He's already hit a home run in spring. Uh, he, he feels good. And the thing, he talked about it when, with the neck. Once he made contact with the ball, he, had, he would lose feeling in, in his top hand. And imagine trying to play, trying to play Major League Baseball and be a power hitter and have that have that be the case. That's not the case now. You know, the, the health is there, so it's just a matter. He, he talked about he's as loose and as comfortable, and it it's the same spring uh, training cliches you'll hear from so many major leaguers. But I think Fielder is ready to have a 30 home run, 90 RBI season, and if he does that, I think that's a success for the Rangers. And right next to him in, at second base is Odor. Uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce his first name because I – Rude Ned. Rude. <laughs> just like R-U-U-G Ned. Rude Ned. Rude Ned. There we go. All right. Now I know. I, I, I don't think I'd ever, I'd ever heard it uh, pronounced properly, so I, so I just avoided it. And, you know, uh, Profar goes down, and, and the fact is uh, Profar may not have even had a starting spot uh, to begin with. Uh, what are – what do the Rangers feel about Odor? Like, how how good can this kid be? I, I think he, I guess he's been kind of overshadowed by Profar for so long. We we don't know. He's finally, you know, it has the spotlight, so to say, on him now. I I think there's not a player on the, in the Rangers organization I'm I'm higher on personally than Rugnet Odor. I, I think he he's got the it factor. He 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 he's got he can hit for power. He had nine home runs, forty something RBIs, three hundred something at bats last year. He's, he's hitting, I think, 500, right around 500 this spring, making all the plays defensively. He's a middle-of-the-lineup threat eventually, and the guy's only 21 years old. He uh, Profar wasn't beating him out regardless. If Profar would have showed up to camp 100% healthy, Odor won that spot with his play last year. Uh, Michael Young, who I know analytics people are going to say, blah, 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 look at his career. Well, Michael Young's the all-time hits leader for the Texas Rangers. Uh, obviously the face of the franchise overall, whatever you think about that, him or Pudge Rodriguez. And, and he loves Rugnet Odor. just thinks he has the it factor, and he does things differently, and he's got a little flash to him. I, I think he's poised to have a really big season. 
the the system is still strong. It's uh, it, it feels like they constantly graduate players, or they 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 may trade someone here and there, but but Texas continues to to bring in strong prospects. Uh, and and one of the guys that could impact the team this year is Chichi Gonzalez. What are what are the expectations for him? Are we are we going to see him in 2015? Is that I mean, with Darvish going down, it feels like it's even more likely that, that yeah, he's going I, to I think. I think we'll see him. I, I think in the summer, maybe, you know, he's got to play in AAA some. He's competing for the number five spot, and he's looked good. I think he was the first starter to go three innings for the Rangers this spring. Uh, but, you know, it's his first real real test at the, at the major league level. So his poise is better than some of the guys I have on in, in maybe in that rotation that will win the spot out of the rotation, but he just needs time. I, I think he's a a summer guy, if not for sure, a September call-up, and he is a future rotation member. The The poise is off the charts. The way he approaches the game, uh, he's got major league makeup. So I, I think he is a, a certainly going to be someone you're going to see in Arlington this year. And like I said, it, it, it's not just him. There's plenty of other names in there. Uh, can we can we expect John Daniels to be aggressive if they get off to a solid start? Maybe go after Hamels and, and put together the right package. Uh, maybe led by someone like Mazzara and Alfaro, something 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 that really pushes uh, pushes them towards the top of uh, Ruben Amaro's list as far as who who he wants to deal Hamels to. Is that is you that know, a possibility? It's a, anything's a possibility with the Rangers, but I don't know if it's a probability just because if, if the Rangers get off to a good start, you know, they've got a pretty good insurance policy coming back at the All-Star break in Martin Perez, who missed most of last year with Tommy John surgery. So if you can hang around with that rotation, and Martin Perez is a, a rotation member when healthy. He was the Rangers pitcher of the month last April before he got hurt and had Tommy John surgery. So, you know, it's one of those things. If you can hold water till he gets back, well, then that, there's your trade deadline move mm-hmm. without having to raid because I think they think Alfaro is the, the catcher of the future. You know, they've got one-year guys back there right now in, in Corcoran and uh, Robinson Chirinos. Uh, Mazzara is, it's, it's, was really, really good in double-A last year, the youngest player in double-A. You're not going to give up on Joey Gallo, the guy who will probably start the year in triple-A. So you, they, they're big on holding on to these top-level prospects because they, they have the ability to impact the Rangers in the short term. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Perez. It's just uh, – I look at the injuries in it. It is mind-boggling just how they – how much they went through last year. And it, I guess I'm curious, you know, guys that were huge contributors in the past, is there any chance that we can – they seem so far down the depth chart. At least Matt Harrison – is is anything expected of him anymore is that would that just be i don't even know what his health status really is i know he's gone through so much yeah that would be any anything you get from matt harrison is icing on the cake the fact that he's even trying to come back from that you know no rangers last year you know colby lewis was the first guy that's basically pitched with an artificial hip at the major league level high era but he won 10 games now they're having a guy try to be the first to pitch with spinal after having spinal fusion surgery uh, so, I mean, it, it just tells you a lot. You know, it's a guy, Harrison was an all-star, uh, signed five-year, $55 million contract. That When they did the, uh, the, the his physical, physical exam when, before they gave him that big deal, there's not one person I don't think that ever come back with a cleaner overall health than Matt Harrison. And then the guy's just been been killed by these back injuries. He's not on a mound yet. You know, if, 
he's going to give it a go. I would say if everything goes well, we see him in rehab games in late May and in June. And if you get any contribution from Matt Harrison and the Rangers, it just says more about Matt Harrison's ability and his willingness to try to stick this out and see what he's got. But I think if you count on anything from Matt Harrison, you're setting yourself up for trouble. Yeah, it's just a, yeah, it really is mind boggling what they went through last year and how they, uh, I mean, and it just kicks right off uh, to start spring. Uh, before I let you go, Anthony, uh, I'm wondering what, what storyline, what, what's, what are you looking forward to in 2015? It doesn't need to be the key for the Rangers, but as a reporter, someone that's going to be watching this team a lot, what are you excited for and what are you excited to cover this season? Well, I, I want to see how the offense goes because, you know, this, this the 2015 Rangers offense is, is going to be the offense the Rangers thought they were going to have in 2014. And if you look at it, if you've got Martin uh, leading off, if you've got Elvis Andrus batting second, if you've got Prince Fielder third, Adrian Beltre fourth, Sinchu Chu fifth, a healthy Mitch Moreland sixth, you know, that, that's that's a pretty formidable lineup when these guys are going good. And you got to remember about last year when the Rangers, when it all went downhill in June, it wasn't because all the pitching injuries caught up with them. It's when they lost Chu and Moreland and, and Fielder. Is the offense is what really killed them. That as bad as the pitching was, you go through 40 pitchers, you set a major league record for pitchers used, you set a major league record for players used. The, the pitching was bubblegum and bailing wire and all that, but it held together enough until the offense went down. I want to see what happens. And then you get those six. You get Odor at the bottom of that order. You've got a chance to make some things happen. So let, let's see what happens with this Texas offense. Yeah, you still can't count them out. It's it's just a. I mean, you lose Darvish, and it just it it's a deflating feeling. Uh, I know. I I was hoping to to see the Rangers bounce back because, as as in you know, someone just watching from afar, it, it's so rough to to remember. What, was it the 2011 World Series? How close they were. And yeah. You, just, you don't want to see them. It, I just would love to see them get one more chance, and I, I don't know if that's realistic, but but you know. You make a good point that the offense could be really strong. And- yeah, it's not. A, it's not. You know, last year was a 67 win team because of all the injuries. This, you Darvish or not, it, it's not a 67 win team. I think the over and under was like 85 or 87. If the over and under now, you take away six or seven wins. So if the over under is 80 or 81, if you're a 500 team around the All Star break, well, you can still have a chance to make some things happen. I'm not going to say they're going to win the West. The West is really good. The Angels are good. The Mariners are good. You never know with Oakland and the Astros are improving. But to just to say because of you Darvish being out that the Rangers are, are here we go again, I think that's a little soon to say that because they went through so much more last year. But even even though they did not lose the race. Yeah, like you said, it was it was pretty historic what they went through last year, and they're. It's, it's, I mean, it'd be crazy to even see anything close to that. Uh, uh, Anthony, uh, why don't you let the folks know where they can find you on Twitter and where they can read your work and uh, see you on TV or radio wherever you may be. <laughs> well, you can follow me on Twitter at a andro. That's a and then a n d r o. You can find my stuff at foxsportsouthwest.com. And if you're in the Metroplex and you're really desperate, I'm sure uh, you can find us on Rangers Insiders doing Twitter views with players and whatever else they're asking me to do this year. So uh, it, it, it's, it's fun. It's a great season, and we can't wait till April starts and everything gets going again. That's Anthony Andrew, reporter for Fox Sports Southwest. I'm Sahadev Sharma. You can follow me on Twitter at Sahadev Sharma. Anthony, thank you so much for giving me some of your time. I appreciate it. No problem. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right. That's it for the Rangers preview. Thank you for listening. 
You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild. Send us emails for this week's listener email show at podcast at baseballperspectives.com. Rate and review and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And support our sponsor, The Play Index, by going to baseballreference.com, subscribing to The Play Index using the coupon code BP, and getting the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. We will be back tomorrow with the Oakland Athletics preview. I have never been in the state of Texas. <laughs> like, I have never physically been in the boundaries of Texas. Not even like a cheapy, I connected through DFW sort of thing. It's, it's our connection, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's not me. It's you. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs>